0: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado.
1: Golden Edge, presented by STN Sports Mobile from Station Casinos.
0: what is up everybody thanks for tuning in it's the off season but we're still rolling along the golden edge podcast letting you know everything you know, need to know that is going on with the vegas golden knights and free agency period is in full gear now uh, there were some trades to clear some space the golden knights are still working on some things as well but wanted to give you an update of what is going on but first of all we'll remind you if you are listening, as we said, we appreciate it, but make sure you like, subscribe, comment, share, all of those things that you do with podcasts wherever you get this from. And also tell your friends. Let them know, hey, we're still uh, still, still bringing you information about the Golden Knights even during the offseason, uh, so share that. And we know that we've seen you on social media as well. We appreciate that. The Golden Hedge Podcast is presented by STN Sports Mobile from Station Casinos, so we thank them as well. And let's uh, jump right into it. Ben Goats and Adam Hill here with you. Uh listen, we are in the off season, but it's never the off season. And right now we're not even in the hockey, we're at the Thomas and Mac Center. Uh, where the NBA Summer League is going on
1: on location, so, as the pros say, not the location for hockey, but a location. Well, it used to be the location of the Las Vegas Thunder back in the day. Nice, Paul. Uh, I so, like it.
0: So you know, we're we're going we're going old school, we're kicking it old school here on the Golden Edge Podcast. But
1: Ben, it's the off season. It's the summer. How are you doing? You know, not bad. I'll uh, we'll put off season in you know quotes because yeah. of course uh, July first hits and everything goes nuts for a while for like forty eight hours. A <laughs> little crazy. crazy. It just
0: slows down to a point where you're like, okay, what's going on? What's going on? And there's still things that happen, but it just not is not chaotic right now.
1: I know. I think that's the worst part. I like the chaos of July 1st a lot better than just the kind of waiting and yeah. waiting that we're in right now. Sort of a holding pattern with the Golden Knights of what moves they may or may not make to clear cap space, get picks back, whatever they might want to do the rest of this offseason. And when they're finally going to re-sign Derek England, because that's been kind of dangling over our heads for a while Really seems like it's gonna happen, but I'm ready for it to happen. Well that's that's a weird
0: one. Let's, let's knock that one off because it's it's kinda easy. We can do that right off the top. Um,
1: what we have been told from the Golden Knight side is it's essentially done. Like it's Which is there. crazy that they're saying it, right. which means that it's definitely getting done or else George McPhee would never say that.
0: Yeah, but it like this was told to us like two weeks ago and now you're like, Well now what is the hold up? What are they waiting for? Now I, I think it's possible they're trying to see what happens with you know some other guys including uh Gusev we're gonna which we're gonna get into and see exactly what they have uh to give out in terms of a contract and what they can do in terms of bonuses and everything else but let's just assume that the Derek England deal is going to get done uh they're going to bring him back on you know a pretty team-friendly contract I would imagine uh and Derek England a guy certainly a locker room presence a you know a community presence everything else that he brings um but they are going to bring him back into the mix. I, I don't I don't know if surprise is the right word. Um, I thought that might have been the end for Derek England and the Golden Knights at the end of last season.
1: I thought it probably was going to be, too. It just seemed like with the cap crunch that they were going to have, that was an easy way to, way to clear space, especially with all the young guys they have coming up. Yeah. And instead, another move that we also kind of saw coming was they cleared Colin Miller in part to clear cap space, but also to open up a spot on the blue line. But they brought back Derek England to take another one. And so... There's a lot of questions that are going to need to be asked whenever this becomes official. I mean, I kind of assume what's going on is what you kind of hinted at there—that they might be trying to structure this deal pretty creatively. Yeah. If uh, depending on what moves they make to get them under the cap, so that might all depend, you know, what they put in the contract in terms of bonuses, in terms of other things like that—that that might depend on what else they do. But it's just interesting because you don't know how much he's going to play next year, how much they should want him yeah. to play next year. I mean, you know, he's going to be 37 years old. 82 games seems like a big ask for him, especially with some of the young prospects like, you know, Nick Hagg, Jake Bischoff, Zach White, Cloud, Jimmy Schultz, you have on your blue line. And those guys need to play at some point. And yeah. so it'll be interesting to see how they approach England's potential farewell season. And yeah, I, I do think it's an
0: interesting thing to look at. You know the playing time issue because if you're going to be having some of these younger guys up, which it certainly appears they are, and you know George McPhee said he expects at least one of the of the young defensemen to be on the team. I I would expect it maybe to be two or you know several uh, guys that are up there. Like Derek England would probably be the guy that you would want to have scratched, sitting in the press box on on most nights. I mean, he's going to play uh, you know his role. But if if he's okay with that role, and it seems like he he may be, certainly a, a presence in the locker room, like all those things are going to be good, and I think he can be helpful without even being on the ice for the team. But if you if you enter the season, and I think you look at it and say, if Derek England plays seventy plus games, there's probably something
1: probably has gone wrong. Or just you have a coach that trusts him too much. And yeah. that's the interesting fact here is Jar Galant, I think, really respects Derek Englund and what he brings to this team, both on and off the ice. Because yeah. obviously, you know, Englund, it can't be said enough, is a tremendous community leader for the Knights. Just so many great things off the ice and in terms of being a quiet leader, too. But, yeah, is Gallant going to be able to say, hey, Derek, you're sitting this one out. We got to see what Jake Bischoff's got for us tonight. Yeah. That's the really interesting question and it's really easy for them to potentially answer it this offseason or when they sign the contract that oh yeah that'll be fine. But Derek's a competitor. Sure. Derek wants to play. Derek wants to play every game he's available and he should want to do that. That's the mentality that I think all pro athletes you know, should and a lot of them do have. Okay. And the same with Gerard Galan, who wants to probably win almost every game that this team plays and if he thinks that Derek Anglin gives the team a better chance to win that night, is he going to be able to sit him even if it would potentially, you know, hamper the development of a Bischoff, a Hag, a Schultz? That's the big question.
0: Yeah, you certainly don't want to have those guys on the roster and just sitting and watching. Like if the, if that was the case, you'd much rather have them be in Chicago and playing and getting better uh, than you would have them, you know, just watching games and and being around the team. But. Uh, I think that will be a very interesting storyline to monitor as we get closer to the season. And again, we're assuming that the Derek England deal is going to be done because they, like like you said, they wouldn't hint at, not even hint, outright say, "Hey, we're very close; just have some final details to work out." But George McPhee would not say that if no, it wasn't going to happen. At all. Like that's not really his style.
1: No, it would not happen, and it does make some sense. I mean, there is the age thing to consider, but he's their only right shot i believe right now since they traded colin miller so he helps balance things out a little bit and i mean he is one of their better penalty killers on the blue line kind of him and braden McNabb. and so that is would have been kind of a need there if they sh- decided not to re-sign him all of a sudden you might have to rely on one of those youngsters to eat up significant penalty kill minutes every night which not it might not be something you want to thrust a young guy into right away you might want to build him into right. it in terms of hey maybe we start Hag on our second penalty kill unit and we kind of build him up throughout the year was well, the
0: penalty kill important ben i like to think it is
1: i mean not like it had anything to do with the end of the season or anything right i mean they, they were fine <laughs> yeah you know there might be some some kinks to iron out you know in terms of special teams with the knights but we'll, we'll see england at least gives them you know a foundation there that i think Wouldn't have quite been there otherwise if you're relying super heavily on McNabb and probably Nate Schmidt and then John Merrill when he's in the lineup, uh, night in and night out on those penalty kill units. SDN Sports is the
0: only sports betting app you need this season. Sign up today and get a new sign-up bonus of up to $50. Well, we talked about Derek Engel potentially coming back. There's not a whole lot of free agency activity uh with the golden knights and we knew there wouldn't necessarily be because they didn't really have a whole lot of room to work with uh under the cap but certainly some departures uh from the organization and you know we talk about the penalty kill and we talk about you know guys in the locker room and that sort of thing and pierre edward belmar certainly a guy that jumps to mind that is gone from the golden knights and you know it's not unexpected this is a guy that we certainly talked in our free agency previews about hey very likely that he's going to be gone. And that, that's a loss for this team.
1: Yeah, he got a nice raise. He's getting $1.8 million per year over two years with the Colorado Avalanche, who I think had a great offseason, yeah, by the way. they did. But for him, I mean, he's a guy who came to the NHL late because he was playing professionally in Europe for a while. So that little raise for him is huge for him and his family. He's going to a good team. And you understand if you're the Knights, that you might not want to give a raise to your fourth-line center when you're strapped up against the cap. I mean, he's probably a luxury that they couldn't afford, even though he was very valuable to what this team has done over the past two seasons in terms of the leadership aspect. You know, he wore an A just like England has. He's a really good penalty killer, really strong defensively. That fourth line did not get scored on a lot. And so he does a lot of you know little dirty things that I think help these teams win, especially when it's a guy like him that knows his role and knows. It's not my job to score 15 goals this season. It's my job to not get scored on, and he's really good at that, which is why I think it's a nice signing for the Avalanche.
0: Yeah, and uh, you know, I I think you know you're going to get to a point where you're going to lose guys, and they're gonna they're going to be moving on, and you just have to come to accept that. Uh, Another guy, a similar you know kind of guy, a good dude in the locker room, people like a a forward who was out of the mix you know sometimes last year, but certainly uh, uh, was trusted by the coaching staff um is Ryan Carpenter who you know also moves on from the team and I don't think it's one of those losses that it's going to be devastating but you know anytime you lose a guy from the locker room it's it's, it's an adjustment and it's something to you know to, to notice from the team
1: yeah Ryan Carpenter three years three million from the Chicago Blackhawks that's a nice actually security for him that's longer yeah. term than I thought he would get so credit to him and his agent for getting that deal from the Blackhawks I mean that's a guy where you can't blame he was picked up on waivers By the Knights in their first season so this is a guy whose career was once hanging in the balance so to get three years of security was huge for him and his family and it's one of those things where yeah you understand it from both sides he wanted money and a chance to play in the NHL the Knights probably couldn't afford him at that price with how cap strapped they were certainly one million dollars to a guy who's going to be you know at best you would think not playing every game for you and you know he was a scratch in the playoffs already for this team you know, you probably need to squeeze a guy like that out, but credit to Carpenter, like I said, and his agent for finding a new home, and, you know, we'll see how he does over there.
0: Now, the Golden Knights did, in addition to losing the guys uh, that we just mentioned, um, there's some other moves that went, went on, and we talked about the trades already, uh, to try to get them uh, more cap compliant, to try to set up some other things that they were trying to do, um, but there, there's potential they could still make moves, but... You know, I thought it was very interesting and very telling, uh, and there's reasons for it that we'll certainly get into. Uh, that the, that George McPhee said at the beginning of free agency, don't expect to make any more cap-related moves. That that's a that's a huge thing to say. Great I mean, question by the guy who asked yeah, it. Too. Exactly. Who was that person? That was a tall tall drink of water. I heard. <laughs> what, now, were you still? Was that before or after your your wonderful
1: road trip that we mentioned on the air to Kansas City? <laughs> it was after I okay. was fresh from road trip glow ready to barge right in on free agency and ask the tough questions
0: <laughs> yeah and so you, you did get that answer but that that was that kind of sets up everything else that the knights were going to do because if they did want to make a whole lot of you know movement and they wanted to you know make some changes and bring some guys in they would have had to make some more moves or they're going to have to at some point so it's inter- interesting to say that they're not gonna make any more cap-related moves.
1: Yeah, that might be semantics from George Rickby. I mean, he even termed the Holla deal a good hockey trade. Right. Which it's not. Um yeah. neither is the Colin Miller trade. It's not really a good hockey trade. They're cap moves, and he can argue that they got value back, and that's fine. So he might have just been uh playing the semantics game with me, but we'll see what they end up having to do. They've got about two and a half million dollars of wiggle room right now, and they still gotta get Schultz resigned. Malcolm Subban resigned. Jake Bischoff resigned. Uh, we believe they're close on both Bischoff and Subban. Bischoff opted not to go to arbitration because it's believed that they're going to be close. Subban did, but it's not expected to actually go to right. a hearing. So we'll see. But you have to figure. I mean, all of those guys are going to take up a little bit of that two and a half million. And if you have England resigned for what should probably be somewhere around like a million and a half dollars, you would think that space is going to dry up really really quickly <laughs> real fast <laughs> which leads us to uh the most fascinating discussion that's still left with the golden knights with all that swirling around the fact that their cap space is probably going to be eaten up by these depth signings what do you do with one nikita gusev you know if people remember the russian winger who they signed to an entry-level deal in the spring uh didn't play in the playoffs at all did practice with the team a couple times He's eligible for a new deal. He's a restricted free agent. Does not get to go to arbitration, though. But the Knights might not be able to afford him with all these other things they need to do. And McPhee, shockingly, basically planted the for sale sign by his podium at that free agency press conference, which was crazy. Yeah. He never does anything of the sort. No,
0: And I think I think it was for, for two reasons. I think, first of all, there is a reason to... There's a reason to generate a market, but that was already happening behind the scenes. You don't have to talk about that publicly. And McFeed never talks about anything publicly anyway. So you don't have to do that publicly. You could, even at like the GM meetings, just put it out there like, hey, Gusev for sale, uh, you know, taking all offers. Uh, and, and those things can be done behind the scenes. But I-, I thought it was more to get it out there publicly to just say to like Gusev and his people, like, either you sign the deal that we're looking for. Or something close to what we're trying to get, trying to offer, or it's not going to happen here. So I think that was the the
1: issue, which would be interesting because if you're his camp, don't you just say, "All right, cool," then find yeah. us a place that will play us. Yes. Um, the reports, uh, mainly seen him out of Russia, are that he's looking for about four million dollars a year over two years, which for a guy with his production, he was the KHL MVP last year, is very reasonable. Yeah. I mean, uh, if people remember Shipy. Vadim Shipichev, the night star signing from their inaugural season, he got $4.5 million over two years. So if you're Gusev, you're totally within your rights to say, like, hey, I know I'm a little bit younger, but I'm the KHL MVP. I've had great production the last two seasons. So I totally think I'm worth $4 million a year. I think that's a justifiable ask. I mean, maybe the George McPhee thinks if he floats this trade request publicly, he can get them to budge a little bit. But even if he budges... You know, to somewhere in the three three and a half million dollar range, you're still going to need to clear cap space in some way if you're the Knights to afford him.
0: Yeah, for for sure. And so, you know, when you make that announcement that you're not making any more cap related moves, and as you said, that's semantics because he didn't he really didn't say the other two moves were cap related. Um, you're basically saying like we can't sign Gusev. Like if that's if they don't make any more moves, they can't sign him. I mean that that lines up. So I I think people. Probably need to be prepared for the fact that either he's going or somebody else is going because um, it, it's not going to be this roster with Gusev added to it. Like you just can't do that.
1: Yeah. So it's a really fascinating uh, discussion for the Knights. And I'm sure McPhee and Kelly McCrimmon have gone back and forth over this a lot. Because we talked about Gusev is a super skilled winger. I mean, had great production in the KHL. Had great production in the World Championships in Slovakia this year. He did it against other NHL players in that tournament. One of the best players in hockey outside of the NHL currently. But you have to ask the question, how quickly is he going to translate to the NHL? And what parts of his game do translate? Obviously really skilled scorer. Good shot. How is he going to hold up defensively? We've talked to him a couple times. Not exactly a huge, imposing dude. Definitely not a guy where you'd be afraid to go into the corners with and battle. So does that mean he wouldn't make sense on their third line right now with Tuck and Cody Eakin? Would they have to juggle their top six to fit him in? Those are questions I'm certainly asking right now. And then, yeah, you have to ask what the team would look like if you cleared space to get Gusev in, I mean, the obvious candidates are guys we've talked about already. Ryan Reeves is making about $2.7 million this year, probably a little bit more than he should be making, but they obviously like what he brings to the team. And he also, like I keep hearing people talk about him as
0: a potential trade candidate. And sure, it would make a lot of sense to say, Hey, this is a big contract. That's a guy to move. Uh, but, that also if you think that the contract is way too big then what other teams are going to be like oh yeah we'll pay that contract like it does become more difficult to move a guy if you think their contract is too much
1: right you have to start asking do the knights have to potentially give up more assets just to get rid of you know a guy like him a guy like nick holden who's making 2.2 million it's probably a little much for what holden gave them last year and holden was also a healthy scratch for the Final six games of the playoffs. So that's certainly a guy you could see them moving on from to potentially get a younger guy in there. But is another team going to jump at the chance to take on Nick Holden's contract, especially when these other teams would have a ton of leverage on the Knights to say, uh, hey, we don't have to trade for this guy. We know you're under the gun. You have to do this, which is one reason why you're not getting back great value, you know, out of the Eric Halla and Colin Miller deal. You're getting a lot of potential. But those teams knew that the Knights were cap-strapped, and so the Knights aren't going to get back the same level of player in an Eric Kala in that trade. That's just how it's going to work. It's kind of the same with Gustav too. And now,
0: the, the fortunate thing you have with him is that you could get teams bidding against each other uh, to try to get him, but I think teams are going to look at it and say, yeah, we'll we'll trade for him, but we also know you can't sign him. Like It's not like you guys are going to get him. So, yeah, we'll trade for him, but we're not going to give you maybe what he might be worth uh, on the market unless there's uh, some other teams bidding against uh, what they're doing well we talk about not bringing in a whole lot of guys on the free agency market but they did they did they did have some activity including bringing some guys back uh, I want to get into Brandon Peary first because Brandon Peary uh, certainly a guy who had that unbelievable stretch he's, he's a goal scorer he's a guy uh, with you know a lot of potential offensively uh, but I was a bit surprised that they brought him back and I, I thought when they did it kind of the alarm bells kind of went off of like oh that's another bad sign for them keeping gusev
1: that is definitely hedging your bets with gusev you pay brandon peary slightly more than the nhl minimum so you keep him on the roster he's happy because he has an nhl job and an nhl contract but that third line wing spot is pretty much where most people had paid gusev for so all of a sudden you kind of pencil in peary into that spot definitely seems like a hedge with gusev i mean certainly a guy that had his moments last year i mean he came up and scored so many goals right off the bat i believe it was something crazy like eight in his first 11 or something finished with about 17 points in 31 games so not bad but certainly obviously not a difference maker and if you're the knights he's certainly a guy that you would think you would want to upgrade on heading into this season because he's a guy that you scratch for most of the playoffs up until game seven i thought he played pretty well
0: yeah and so uh brandon Peary back also tomas nosik back in the mix uh for the golden knights which you know a guy who's who brings you who brings you a lot not you know not the headline jumper not the s- headline grabber not the splashy guy necessarily but uh just a a, a gritty tough kind
1: of player yeah he got million dollars for one year to stay with the golden knights and it feels like they're setting him up to be Belmar's replacement on a cheaper deal. I mean, McPhee talked about his versatility at his free agency press conference, said he can play either wing spot or center, didn't commit to him playing center, but I would feel pretty good about him being in the middle of Ryan Reeves and William Carrier when the season starts. That feels like what where they're kind of going with this. Is he's a, probably not as good as Pierre-Edouard Belmar in that center spot, but he can do a lot of the same things in terms of anchor that fourth line be on the penalty kill and score a little bit when the situation calls for it yeah so he's
0: back in the mix as i said Piri back in the mix and then you know as far as the other activity goes just nothing yeah i'm sure you know going into it when he said uh they're not going to go big game hunting that was a quote from from mcphee um you know that that was certainly the case he didn't have a lot of money but um, a lot of minor things here and there that the, the Golden Knights did. not a, a lot is probably the wrong word. A couple of minor little tweaks here and there of uh, bringing some guys inside of some guys. and It's not a finished product yet. There's still some work to do. But what did you think was the um, most significant thing that you saw of the offseason so far of some of the other minor things?
1: I, mean, I think just the biggest thing for them was getting William Carlson re-signed to that long-term deal. That just straightens everything out for them. When you're a cap team, which they're going to be probably for the next little bit here, those guys you lose on the margins is just kind of the cost of doing business. When you lock up guys like Mark Stone, Max Pacioretty, you know William Carlson, Jonathan Marsh, so long term. In addition, to some of the younger guys like Alex Tuck, Shea Theodore, you know Nate Schmidt's kind of in the middle of that age range. But still, when you do those long term deals that you think are going to give you flexibility in the future. You're gonna hurt a little bit in the short term. but you know even though we've talked about the guys the Knights have lost and how they've maybe downgraded some positions, this is still a team that, when Mark Stone arrived played at a 100 point pace for the rest of the regular season. So I think it's really easy for a lot of people to kind of you know not see the forest for the trees when we get to the free agency period and it's really cool to talk about teams like Colorado and Dallas who did a lot to improve their teams. But the Knights were a really good team down the stretch last year. And they, of course, took a team that went to the Western Conference Final to seven games. And were potentially one referee's decision away from advancing to the next run of the playoffs and potentially much farther in the playoffs. So are the Knights that much better of a team than when they started the offseason? No. Is that ultimately going to matter next season? I'm not sure it's going to matter a tremendous amount. Now we'll see, depending on what happens with Nikita Gusev. Yeah, and uh, that's still the thing to monitor, and you know we'll keep you up to date on what is going on with Gusev and any other
0: potential things. There, you know, there were the the trade rumors out there a couple weeks ago about guys like Max ready and if if that happened, if they were to move in, which they still theoretically could, that would create a lot of opportunity to bring in, you know, to resign Gusev and do other things like that. So, um, we'll we'll monitor what goes on. Uh, make sure you follow along, reviewjournal.com. Follow. Ben Goats on Twitter. I want to get a lot more into the road trip because we did talk a lot about it on the on the podcast. Oh, I listen. Before. Don't worry. Uh, but you know, maybe we'll do that. There's plenty of time in the off season remaining, and it's getting it's going to slow down quite a bit. So, uh, about next month and a half, not a whole lot. Uh, going on in the uh, Golden Knights world unless something changes and uh, yeah, right now. make sure make sure to bring that to you so review follow at Ben S. Goats follow David Chain LVRJ uh, follow me at Adam Hill LVRJ as well and uh, we will talk to you guys again very soon again make sure uh, you like subscribe comment share all those things uh, with the podcast and the Golden Edge podcast is presented by STN Sports Mobile from Station Casinos for Ben Goats Adam Hill Talk to you guys again very soon. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.